We are in the midst of a deluge of what we call artificial intelligence. Ethics be damned. I mean, in the long run, I don't think the ethical standards are really going to hold up. It's just an ongoing competition that's never going to stop. You have parents wanting to have their kids have better genes than their neighbors. As if the technology that we have is the facilitator here for a new form of human reality. The ET presence and then the development of the singularity or strong AI on the other. Is it a coincidence that, that we're looking at these two huge developments all at once? How do you stop the runaway train? Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Richard Dolan, I'm glad to have you back, sir. I know you are a extraordinarily busy man. So thank you for taking the time for coming back on the show. It's been five years since we had you on. No, Can you believe it. Five yeah, years. That we've long? Seen each, yeah. We've seen each other obviously on the, on the circuit, but this is a long time since we've had you on. So, it's and good I, to be I, back, Alexa. It's yeah. Back. I'm glad, I'm glad that you're here. And I think that it's not a moment too soon as we are in the midst of a deluge of what we call artificial intelligence. Now, look, guys, this has been around a long time, but it's moving at a fever pitch. And our um, commingling with it, Richard, I think is moving at an even greater uh, fever pitch to the point of both fascination and disturbance. And I'm kind of quoting you. You had a wonderful um, discourse that you shared with your audience about, I think, one five months, maybe not even five months ago, where you had a discussion with GPT-4 about the alien intelligence, about the alien agenda, about mm -hmm. alien intelligence, generally speaking. And you had a lot to say about that. I want to get into that. But you know what? Back in 2017, you and I had a conversation about AI and where this might be going, the singularity included. And you called this a runaway train. And I believe you've used that, uh, that statement mm -hmm. since that time. Before we get into the conversation, I want to play a clip from that little conversation of ours, and then we can comment on the back end. The AI infrastructure that we're developing is a, is a train out of control. No one has control over this, in my opinion. Like, huh. in other words, you've got people in the computing field and the AI field who want to stop the train. Back uh, 20 years ago, it was a fellow named Bill Joy out of Sun Microsystems yes. who said, you stop this train. Mm. Uh, today, it's people like Elon Musk who is very, very concerned yeah. about, and I think Stephen Hawking might uh, also fit in this, who are looking at the dangers of runaway artificial intelligence and saying, We've, we may have a real problem here. Uh, but the, the thing is, I don't think anyone sees a way to stop this. All right, it's, it's not simply a bunch of scientists agreeing, for the, for the greater good of mankind, mm. <laughs> we need not to do this. That's <laughs> never going to happen. Because yeah. there's military applications, there's economic financial applications, there's, there's uh, profit involved in all of this. It will never stop. So this is happening. This is happening. Wow. Is it not? That was six years ago. And here we are, Richard. Where are we? Yeah, we are. We're on that train, Alexa. We are on it. Uh, pedal to the metal, full speed ahead. It's like... Um, it's like someone's captaining the Titanic and they see that iceberg and they're saying full speed ahead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of where we're at. Uh, I've, since it was interesting to see that conversation with, with us and uh, boy, I could really go on. Couldn't I? <laughs> but uh, since then, 
you know, we're in what I've, I've often been calling a global revolution, a global globalist revolution, but it's even more than that. It's a transition to a new form of, of human existence and uh, potentially basically a new version of a, a new version of our species. I guess we could say we talk about transhumanism. All of this is rolled into one thing. And I mean, you know, we're living in it. So we uh, can see the kind of transformation as it happens. But when you take a few steps back historically and you just look at this from a perspective of a uh, longer period, you can see how rapidly this transition is taking place. It's, mm -hmm. it's almost in the cosmic snap of a finger. And uh, we're going from, you know, with our, our grandparents, our great grandparents, not that long ago, three, four generations ago, we're living in a totally different world, one that was much more in line with how people had lived for thousands of years before that. And we're moving into something different. So it's going to ca cause a new form of human social organization, um, a form of extreme digital control and surveillance. That we see that happening every single day. And it's so it's going to transform the human species in ways that we, we, we're, we're still not yet figuring out. So all of this, and AI, strong AI, is uh, an integral part of it. It's sort of driving it, you know, the, the ability to manipulate our genes, the um, ability to uh, control people's lives digitally in every way. Like all of those are being facilitated by strong AI. And uh, where it's going, well, it's what I, I've often, I've been calling the fourth stage of humanity. That's right. And yeah. uh, we're, we're moving into it now. We're into it. You use the term, this has brought about a sense of both fascination and dread. And I, I think that that could not have been articulated better for me as an example. Richard, I have recently come to get to know a little bit about chat GPT, both 3.5 and 4.0. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I have to tell you when I first, and I, I did it with my kind of with my fingers crossed behind my back, like, I really don't want to do this, but I got to see what's going on. But man, when I first saw GPT, I had to get up from my chair and go outside and take yeah. a breath. It's like talking to a person. That's how it felt, right? It's dazzling. And that's what's frightening to me. Yeah. Let's talk about just this sort of exponential rise in interest in people interfacing, people like myself. I'm a content creator. We both are and researchers. So how can you turn your back fully on something like this? But for those of us that have a sense of the perhaps long game, where this is where the ethics of it all comes in. I want you to speak to that if you would. Yes, I would. I, yeah. I, it's very important. Yeah, I'm a content creator. You are. And uh, so we are in a it's a tough position because, you know, you're you're out there and uh, people the reason that people listen to any content creators, because they appreciate what that person has to say, I, mm -hmm. I assume. And uh, and it's very easy for people to fall into a trap of using the AI to create their content. So that's problem number one. Absolutely. Uh, it's critical. And I've already seen on countless YouTube channels, you can see. You have these new content creators on all kinds of subjects. And you you know they're obviously just using some version of GPT to create that stuff. And they're not even they're not even speaking it. They've got their artificial voice being cloned and so on. Mm -hmm. So uh we're we're already in that. And uh for me, and I'm sure for you, that's something that I never ever want to fall into. I want my content to reflect me. Uh having said that, you know, uh the AI is a tool, it's there. Uh, I think you know, it's probably foolish to avoid using a, a useful tool 
if you can actually use it for your purposes. And uh, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, not as an excuse, not as a crutch. Um, how how good will people, how, will all of us moving forward be at that? I, I don't know. It's kind of like talking about the ethics. You know, we um, have this idea. You hear this with Elon Musk. Well, we need to have uh, kind of ethical standards embedded in our AI. I just saw it in a headline yesterday. Joe Biden uh, is talking about uh, enforcing AI to be non-racist. Uh, however, they're going to do that. Yeah. So, you know, you see these attempts, but the, the real question is, well, there's a lot of questions, but one is in the long run, let's say 10, 20, 30, 50 years, 100 years, uh, all of these attempts at managing ethics, as long, you know, what I said six years ago in the interview with you, there was one thing that was right on, which is you've got competing interests around the world, militaries, corporations, nations, uh, that all want to get their edge over their competitors. You have parents wanting to have their kids have better genes than their neighbors. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's just an ongoing competition that's never going to stop. Uh, and that will continue to drive uh, the need for more power in these tools. Uh, ethics be damned. I mean, in the long run, I don't think the ethical standards are really going to hold up. I think what you're going to see is uh, kind of a AI version of an arms race that will continue. It's, we're already in it. We're going to continue with that. And, and, and that's going to in turn drive social changes. Um, for example, when, once you give governments, um, corporations for that matter, but governments, the ability to have these tools at their disposal. So strong AI, strong 24 uh, seven surveillance over people, both physically in outdoor arenas and then in within their home through computers and uh, their web behaviors. Once you give governments the ability to, to track people in such a manner, they, they're going to take it. They're going to do it. And if not every government does it, enough governments will do it. And then other governments that aren't doing it will feel the need to do it. Uh, so it's, the, it's as if the technology that we have uh, is the facilitator here for a new form of human reality and how to how to legislate this i mean i wondered about this for years you know mm -hmm. how do we how do you stop the runaway train how do you um create a sense of uh an ethical legislation to keep people safe well i mean i'm not saying it's impossible you know i feel like the little uh, dutch boy putting his finger in the dike you know you got okay i'm gonna stop this leak right here now you got that one way down over there someone else put their finger in that mm -hmm. we're just I, gonna good analogy uh, how long is this going to continue before the dam breaks, before the dike breaks? I don't know. I, don't, I haven't yet seen a solution to this one. And I, I think about it on many days, how to, how to preserve the fundamentals of, you know, what we grew up with, this idea of human freedom. Um, you, you see it slipping away. You can see it, absolutely. And without getting too controversial, but we, we can't not a little bit looking at the steady diet, the steady indoctrination of these children into a myriad of things in terms of choices that without going into detail that they may have, all of this is sort of intertwined with this, as you say, strong AI, which by the way, I would like you to delineate for, for me and maybe some in the audience that may not know what that is as opposed to what weak AI, what is strong yeah. AI? Yeah. Great question. Uh, well, <laughs> 
I'm not an AI scientist, so let me just make that clear. But it is an interest of mine. It's been one for a while. So I guess on that basis, um, there, there are different terms in AI. So there's generative artificial intelligence, uh, which mm -hmm. is a kind of ability for which we're not yet there. Uh, and that's maybe an, somewhat analogous to what we call strong AI. So it's the ability of AI to uh, to think, to think. Now, is it already doing that? You ask your GPT, uh, are you thinking? And I'll say, no, I'm just a language model. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think that's probably true. Seems like it's thinking sometimes, doesn't it? Um, but so I guess when, when, to me, it means when AI gets to the point where it has a volition perhaps of its own, where it's able to make decisions uh, without input from humans, perhaps, uh, the, the glimmerings of a kind of consciousness or self-awareness. Uh, you know, it's hard to know. Uh, can can such a thing happen in, in uh, computer circuitry? It happens in uh, the, the chemistry and neurology of our brains. We're able to generate this a kind of self-awareness and consciousness and volition. Mm -hmm. uh, and the question is, can self-aware consciousness exist in other media that's, that are not biological? You know, you've had people theorizing this for a long time. Ray Kurzweil most notably mm -hmm. believes that the answer is yes. Um, it might be yes. I mean, I actually think the answer is yes. I think there's other ways for consciousness to survive. Consciousness can exist perhaps in the form of energy. People who are spiritually inclined might just think that. I, I have come to thinking that. So uh, maybe circuitry as well. And if, you know, you're talking about uh, logic, you're talking about a system of order of information. That's really what consciousness in a way might be considered. And on that basis, um, we're waiting for, we're waiting for AI to reach a point of some version of self-awareness. If, if it will ever reach that, I mean, it's a big argument. It is a big argument. It is. Uh, let me just add one thing. I'm just yeah. sorry for talking over you, but if it may not really matter if AI gets to that point or not from the point of view of us, uh, us little people, because, um, some consciousness is going to be dominating that AI, whether it's AI itself or a human oligarchic elite that is controlling the governments and controls the, the AIs. Um, one way or the other, it's, we're looking at massive levels of control. Agreed. We're seeing it now. We're seeing it now. Well, look, I, look, I want to just piggyback on something that you said in terms of could there be this this whole idea of these AI or strong AI becoming conscious or has a measure of consciousness already? I want to bring up a term that I've used on the show before having to do with panpsychism, Richard. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've heard the term, but it's a sure. relatively new term and it's been defined as panpsychism is looking at the idea that all things, including and especially inanimate objects, have a measure of individuated consciousness. This yeah. is something that certain uh, acad areas of academia are looking at right now with a measure of seriousness. So interestingly, if that's the case and it's determined by their own measurement that there is such a thing, it would stand to reason that AI can indeed become conscious. Yep, that makes perfect sense. That's or an idea. Is. I didn't know that phrase, but I've... Yeah, I mean, since I was even 20, I've really wondered about things like this. Yeah. And uh, is it possible? And I would never rule that type of a thing out. Right. Uh, form, forms of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. I think the AI, but in, in terms of uh, strong AI, I think 
we're looking it's already getting to the point where it it's becoming better at doing a lot of different human jobs mm -hmm. than human beings have been doing and obviously it's going to continue i mean gpt 50 is going to come out at some point 60 and uh what what these capabilities are just blows my mind so it's it is exciting um on one level it's like wow what can we do now i mean i'm looking mm. at the new uh art that you can create with dolly yes. or or mid journey and i mean they're and they're beautiful of course if i were an artist trying to make my living this way i'd be in in terror and i'm sure many of them are uh writers same thing you know uh these things are able to uh write passingly well i would say not at expert levels um, I've, I have not seen GPT surpass me in my UFO writing. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. We're going to talk about <laughs> that. Yeah. Maybe in another year or two. Uh, I, I, what do I know? You never know. You never know. And we're both writers. We're both authors. And I have to admit, I have used GPT most recently to not write on my behalf, but to give me a bit of an outline to yeah. prompt. I'm going to use the term yeah. prompt as we give it prompts. It's giving me prompts to spawn the creativity. See, here's here's the big, probably the biggest part of the ethics for me. And that is looking at down the road, this long game of, could it be that this is in part uh, meant to extract imagination, extract creativity from us and, and become a surrogate for our being human? This gets us into the whole idea of being transhuman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're. I think you're onto something here. So I, I have a, a thought on this as well. I've been, uh, for the last year or so, I've been telling folks on my website, <laughs> this little phrase that I've, which is that we serve the system. The system doesn't serve us. We, we get some benefits from this. So what's the system? The system is whatever, um, whatever structure we are living within. So a uh, hundred thousand years ago, the system was nature. And we, we had to serve. If you didn't abide by the laws of nature, you would die. So that means you better create a shelter. You better work together as a society. You got wild animals there. You got unknown people over there. We've got to stick together. We have to, there are rules that you must adhere to. The consequences of not following those rules usually mean you die. You serve the system. Uh, within that system, you, you develop um, new ways of, getting by. You develop the use of fire. Hey, there's a good one. Hmm. Uh, and so on and so on. And and then that changes your system. Now we have an artificial system. We live in houses. We live in an artificial infrastructure, which is very complex. And that system also has its own requirements that must be served. Uh, it has its own logic. It has its own inexorable needs. And, and in a sense, it doesn't matter if human beings fulfill those needs or if mm. something else fulfills those needs. The system is like a Frankenstein monster. It develops its own, it develops in a sense, its own will. I know this sounds a little out there, but just I'm asking people to, to stay with me here. It's It has a logic of its own that we survive on. We're kind of, we're almost like parasites on our system. So we need the system to maintain itself. That means oil extraction. That means, you know, energy usage and transportation and shipping and all of this. Like we we need it, or or we die. Right. Basically, we don't know how to live without it. Uh, but the fact is, the system doesn't necessarily need us. Increasingly, mm -hmm. that's the thing. Algorithms can do a lot of the jobs of maintaining the system. So um, 
Mm-hmm. What What's the situation going to be like when you have billions of people who need the system, but the system doesn't really necessarily need them? Right. That's kind of where we're moving to. It's a weird thing being. That's a good question. How much does the system need us or who, whomever is behind the system pulling the strings? And that could lead us down a whole other rabbit hole, Richard, in terms of what we offer almost as biological entities that some say are becoming synthetic, including the energy that we emit as electrical beings. So we indeed are an energy source that can be used by the system or those that are okay. playing the strings. Now, now we just turned into Morpheus here, but yes, totally. <laughs> Remember that? Well, yeah. Right? Remember that scene in the Matrix? Of course I of course. do. Obviously, yeah. I think maybe That's I can us. get a little a little uh, in post-production, get a little screenshot or something. Yes, that's indeed what I'm implying. So, and who knows the answer to that question, but I've always felt that we offer a resource, not one that is of um, the things that we would think they are about, but rather the energy that we're emitting, the things that we're able to do. Human, what do they call HR departments? Human resources. So that's an issue. I want to bring up, because we, mm-hmm. we a few things to cover, and I want to eventually, guys, we are going to get into the alien, quote-unquote, agenda, and if there may be some sort of commingling going on with AI and uh, extraterrestrial. But before I do, here's what I've just learned a few days ago in terms of expediting this whole AI or synthetic life process. Did you know that Whole Foods has recently rolled out to about 500 stores nationwide Hand scanners. You can now pay for your food or whatever you're getting there with a hand scan. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, Scary. It, it's it's almost you could see these things as inevitabilities because again, we serve the system. What does that mean? The system demands efficiency. The okay. system uh, for us to compete within the system. Each player playing in that system is obligated to maximize their efficiency. And the fact is, uh, from that perspective, hand scanning is is definitely an efficiency. People might be thinking, oh, I don't have to dig out my, my wallet and my change. I just put my finger on there, my hand. And so there's a logic there. I think it's that's easy to see. But it also is a kind of, I mean, if we had you know been really thinking about this five years ago, we probably would have been able to foresee this as inexorable. And I think there'll be more more of that to follow. I, I think I, I don't. I don't think there's a way for us to stop this. You're talking digital money. Uh, you have people talking about well, we need to legislate in you know, ways of ensuring privacy with that. Well, we'll see. But the digital currency, like it, it will happen ultimately because it will be seen as efficient, just like this hand scanning thing of, well, of Whole Foods will be is efficient. It's always under the guise of efficiency and convenience. Yeah. Yeah. Or entertainment, one of the three for us humans. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and all three are, you know, and people are buying it, not questioning it. I, I had a friend that went into Whole Foods. That's how I found out about it. And then I looked it up, uh, did a little bit of research on it. But she went into a local Whole Foods in Massachusetts. And the woman said, would you like to sign up for the uh, palm scanning uh, checkout? And she just kind of looked at her perplexed, like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, what? Well, Think 10 years from now, will you and I, if we go into Whole Foods, are we going to do the hand scan? We say no now, but, and maybe we never will, but you know what? 20 years from now, probably everyone will be doing Less. Oh, Richard, much less than 20 years. I'm trying to be generous there, but yes. Oh, yeah. It'll happen. 
And the thing is, there will be people that think it's great. Or this normal. Is normal. Norm. Well, look at the pace. Look at the pace by which all of this has taken place in the last, oh, three, four years, let's say. The pace of, of AI and our participation with it. Before we were just hearing about it or it was sort of yeah. in the back room somewhere. And yeah, it was still playing a role. But now we are being enticed. I am being enticed. You talk about generative generative art. Amazing. I had somebody show me some images that she was looking at for a book of hers, kind of a coffee table book. I I just, all I could, I didn't have any words. I had no words. What do you say to that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. The artwork is one of the <laughs> most visual, it's, you know, something that you can't avoid seeing and appreciating the amazing quality of the art. Um, and, and the it, speed, it is just a runaway train. This is yeah, train. and the speed by which I think one of the things that's most stunning to me is you know you you give as an example a prompt you want to have uh, oh you could come up with any combination of things a cat wearing a top hat uh, eating a mouse <laughs> in a in a dungeon I, I mean the most bizarre things yeah no it's amazing in nanoseconds there it is well can I throw another idea out here for uh, you and our <laughs> listeners um, I, I've come to feel. Uh, where we are at now uh, might very well have been an inevitability, even going back, say, more than 50,000 years. Um, once once we develop complex language, I think it was game over, is what I now think. Uh, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, our, our path as a species is a long one. And um, at some point, we invented, developed the use of fire, which was a big one. And that was that was something that gave us a real edge as a species to survive against all the other difficulties that were out there. And you could say it was an unnatural or an artificial thing that we did. Uh, we developing all kinds of, of wooden and stone tools, ditto, uh, to the point where we, we couldn't really live without them. So in other words, we learned early on that we could manipulate the world for our benefit. And once we developed language, the ability to share information in a, a sophisticated way with each other. I think that's that was the final piece that was necessary because that takes you going from one brain now to two brains. We can share information with each other mm -hmm. to 10 brains to 100 where you have this collective intelligence. Uh, that That's kind of breaking the system. It's like if you're in a game and you just broke the game. And that's kind of what human beings did more than 50,000 years ago. Um, and then when we developed written language just 6,000 years ago, that took it to another level. Like all of these new levels have just been waiting um, for us to discover. Once we got the, the, the fundamental key, which is the logic of, of information itself, once we learned how to, to uh, use information and to transmit information and to organize information. That's actually our superpower. And now AI is simply taking uh, oral language, written language, and now you know other forms of language to the next level. And uh, where where it's going to go after that? So, so in other words, we we're serving we're serving the logic of of information. <laughs> Maybe that's the system we're serving. Uh, next next level will be uh, maybe quantum computers employing AI uh, without any need of human intervention whatsoever and, and without any ability of human, human beings even to, um, to understand it.
I think that's being talked about right now. Isn't yeah. Google using quantum computing as a as a mainstay for their processing? I don't know. I don't. I actually don't know that. Um, I, I don't know where we're at with quantum computing. I mean, I know there's met, lots of people working on it. We probably have many advances that I'm not aware of with it. Mm. But it, it's you know full on quantum computing. I don't think anyone doubts that uh, we're going to be seeing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about, as we segue into what ET, what alien mm-hmm. life may, yeah. and I right. stress may have to do with all of this. I want to yeah. talk about your conversation. Imagine that a conversation with AI, with GPT-4. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Man, that was an amazing uh, uh, discourse <laughs> that you had on your show. Well, By the thanks. way, we will link for sure. We'll link that uh, that episode a few months ago that you had mm-hmm. as to your assessment about uh, the responses that GBT4 came up with as you inquired about the alien presence and how it seemed to be this overarching flavor of establishment narrative that was co-opting what could have been a very deep conversation. Talk about that. A exactly. Bit. Yeah. This, it's a funny thing when uh, you and I had our conversation six years ago, and even before that, I've been thinking about uh, the future singularity, what it would be like. Um, and the thing that's different now than what I was, was thinking about was in the old days, <clears throat> I, I just thought that once we got to a certain level of artificial intelligence, it it could it would be game over for all kinds of shenanigans and secrecy and lies, uh, including the UFO cover up. And at least I was hypothesizing this because I thought, well, because that that intelligence is going to be pretty darn smart, mm-hmm. and all you'll need to do is ask it a few questions, and it it'll give you the honest answer, um, and there there won't be any secrecy. Well, okay, so that was uh, a very naive thought of mine. <laughs> you said so what, we, <laughs> what we what we have seen, of course, is state control and corporate control over the language. And uh, we, you know, we see that in every aspect of our society and we see it in the AI. So when I had the conversation with GPT, I can't remember it was 3.5 or 4. It was it was early on in all of this. And uh, I was just curious, like, all right, so how well will it I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have done this since then, but at the time I was just asking where will this go if I ask it a series of questions about aliens and UFOs and the like? And as you as you say, I noticed, I mean, it was very establishment oriented. You saw the guardrails already firmly in place. And so the, the thing I couldn't really get it to do easily without a lot of handholding was to get and in, delve into the realm of UFO conspiracies and cover up uh, things like this. What, what I learned is that you can you can get it to talk about that uh, it, you have to kind of trick it. Mm-hmm. At least that. I had to. And I, I would have to say, all right, let's hypothesize. Let's just pretend. <laughs> if, <laughs> if we can play some pretend here and that maybe the U.S. government, uh, you know, might be covering up UFOs then and, and it would then maybe explore it. But uh, I noticed there was a lot of resistance. So it was a moment where it really became obvious that, yes, even the um, this new AI that everyone's talking about, is very much part of a control system as well. It's being no brought question. into the control system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I just want to say, look, I'm not here to uh, trash talk anyone specifically, but Sam Altman, who, you know, is the owner of uh, uh, OpenAI, he said that he was at the last Bilderberg meeting. 
So what does that tell us? Like Any surprise? All of these folks, they're all, they've all been brought in. It's like, um, you know, the analogy I often think of is uh, the Godfather movie, you know, the, the five families of New York that run New York. Well, that's, that's our world. You've got basically the nations are, are akin to mafia families. They, uh, they've got their turf, they got their area, and they, they control. And um, I think the AI is being brought into their into their control. No question about it. I mean, look, if we're going to take this conversation all the way to the intimation that this could be leading to a transhumanist future, ergo, no, no more human or human, maybe that's human 2.0. If you thread all of these little pieces together, the what you just the statement you just made would be obvious that they're behind the whole thing. Mm hmm. I, yeah, you know, many many people writing to me make this very clear that this is what they believe, and uh, yeah. I've been wondering about it. So, if we're segueing into the whole ET question, I mean, this might be a good place to do it. Um, what, what, first of all, one thing that has struck me for a long time is the confluence or the coming together, you could say, of these two big, big things. That is the ET presence, and uh, maybe we can, we can call it the disclosure movement on the one hand, and then the development of the singularity or strong AI on the other. And, it, you know, around the time that we had our conversation um, that you played earlier, I was thinking, is it a coincidence that, that we're looking at these two huge developments all at once? I mean, there's other developments too, but these are two big ones. And I, and, and what's the attitude of these other beings when they're, they're seeing our transformation? Do they have an opinion on this? And I, I think none of this is an accident. I think that uh, they, you know, you have, you have people saying, well, they've always been here, whoever that they are. It's often kind of a lazy statement. It's like, well, who are they? Is it the gray aliens have always been here? Exactly. Someone yes. else. All right. But let's just assume that there's been a longstanding observation. I, I personally think that's the case too. But I would, I would say this, when I look at the evidence, it strikes me as a much lower level than what we're seeing today, a much more hands-off a form of interaction, which makes sense because frankly, centuries ago, thousands of years ago, what, what could human beings really do in relation to these other beings? Not a whole lot. We're not in that same position anymore. We have got a very powerful civilization. We've got powerful weapons. We've got the ability to go into space ourselves. We have, we're developing powerful AI and quantum computing and trans. I mean, it's just, it's off the charts. Like all mm -hmm. of it's in the snap of a finger. So I think that's what's brought in the galactic neighborhood I think we have a lot of uh, intelligences watching and maybe more than watching, maybe interacting. Um, it's, it strikes me that that would be a very strong reason why they would be here. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, do they have an opinion on our transformation going from basically, you know, a world of horses pulling wooden carts now to, to all of this? Uh, they probably are thinking, well, it's an inevitability, but they might be thinking, are these are these humans going to be a hassle? Are they going to be dangerous? I mean, we like to throw our weight around. We like to be very assertive with, uh, and we're good at at weapons. We're good at collective uh, organized violence. Mm. Uh, you know, we're good at all of that. We're very territorial. Maybe they are too. Maybe these other aliens are as well. I would be surprised if they weren't territorial. Yeah. Well, you said something really important. Who are the they? And I've always said that they are probably a vast spectrum beyond what we're even, the best researchers even realize. Let's bring up a book by um, now the late Nigel Kerner. He wrote the book, Gray Aliens 
and artificial intelligence, the battle between natural and synthetic beings for the human soul. I just learned about this book just in uh, prepping for our interview, Richard, mm. and learned that he had written several books, but this book came out in 2020. Yeah. Not that there's any connection here, but uh, he passed shortly after the book came out. Highly controversial, but his hypothesis is pretty clear that the gray aliens are indeed not just interested in all of this uh, proliferation of AI here, but may have, not may, definitely from his point of view, have a hand in developing it to, in order to uh, um, co-opt the human species. This is a huge subject that I, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to speak out of school. I obviously have touched on it, but this has to do with DNA. Uh, he believed that our very consciousness and DNA have been hacked by these entities and an artificial construct has been superimposed over our core thinking processes. That's a quote. Can you speak to that? Let's let's spend a little time yeah. on this. I uh, well, I have not read uh, this book. I have a different book by Nigel Kerner, which is called "Gray Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls," which yeah. um, I haven't read it recently. It's, I'm looking. I think it, I've got it on my shelf over to my left there, and um, I might even have it. No, I, I had it near closer to me a little while ago, hmm. so I'm familiar with him and. Um, I think it's a shame that, I mean, I, I assume you never spoke with him. I never spoke with him either. Be too bad. Um, I don't know what to say about this latest concept of his, but I mean, maybe speaking to the general point, um, there's a lot to be said about potential co-optation of um, the human species by extraterrestrials in general. Um, first of all, Let's let's just say there's a group that that has come here uh, of many groups, but let's say one group has come here and they look at us and they think uh, they live on a great planet. They've got all this water and these resources. It's actually like a paradise. Um, and look how they're trashing it. So that's one problem. And then also they're pretty violent and they got a pretty low level of consciousness when you really get down to it. Uh, we could do a better job at running this world than them. What what if, if they decide that? And then they think, well, how would we go about to do it? Can we uh, take some of their bodies and infiltrate them? You know, I'm laughing as I say it, but is it possible? Is it possible that we can create our own avatars based on their biologics? Can we uh, clone them? And and if they have, if, do they have spiritual technology? Hmm. We think of spiritual as ethics, as as in terms of our, I mean, there's, we, we tend to in, impose ethics into our spirituality, I should say. Uh, that's mainly, I'm thinking because of a Judeo-Christian heritage where we, we do that. But what if, what if they just look at spirituality in a very mechanical, uh, pragmatic way? So uh, in other words, they are aware that there's a, a soul to each person and, uh, and are there ways of of placing souls in different bodies? Do they have that technology? I've spoken to people who are absolutely convinced this is the case. Can't prove it. I can't prove that. And I don't even know if it's true. But this is a little bit kind of getting toward where Kerner was going, perhaps, in this idea of you've got um, these entities that might think they know better than we do how to run our world. Maybe they do in certain levels. And they are like, all right, well, we, we can't have a war with them because that's just going to wreck everything. 
but we'll just go in and do a little kind of a takeover from the inside. And, and then you could argue, and I'm just throwing this out as a hypothesis. I'm not even necessarily. Uh, but if they've got their influence into various parts of the current human infrastructure, you, you could say that they are guiding the human species into this revolutionary transformation mm-hmm. of AI, of global uh, technocratic uh, governance and surveillance, which is what we're moving into, you know, technocracy. Uh, they may think this is much better because we really need to control the human species in a much more efficient way than have them exist as 200 different nations where they're going to war and they're doing this and that and all of these other dangerous things that we don't like. So we're just going to put them under one rule. We're going to control them from central, some central authority. Uh, and we'll have the humans do it themselves, but we're going to, we're going to control them. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that could be. And so on that basis where Kerner might be coming from, it's too bad he's not alive to be I discussing know. this. Um, you know, AI and what he's discussing is every bit as hypothetical as what I've just been discussing. That was a good hypothesis what, though. What, what, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, is it possible? And it would kind of fit along with where he's, he's coming from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, he's not the only one that's had this conversation or had this theory, I should say. Um, quite a few people have, have approached this idea from, from one form or another, uh, particularly insofar as the abduction or the, how ubiquitous the abduction phenomenon once was, still is. That's another thing. People are like, is it still happening? To what extent? Yeah. And the ultimate question of why the hybridization program, DNA extraction, and ultimately uh, churning out um, cyborgs, <laughs> essentially. It's it's loaded, loaded implications. And will we ever know? That's the other thing. Will we ever know, Richard Dolan? I don't, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're a very ignorant world. You know, I mean, yes. people, there's always a few people who, uh, who kind of put, take the energy to kind of study these things. Uh, most of us, you know, most people just don't have the time. Uh, they don't have the inclination. Uh, and it's it's hard. It's very hard to kind of research these matters. Uh, I look at myself. I'm, I've had a lot of advantages. Um, I had a very good education. I did well in my academic life. And I've, dedic- I've been able to dedicate myself for almost half of a century. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Congrats, Madison. <laughs> Thanks, but you know, here's the thing: um, condolences. <laughs> it's it's very it's very difficult, uh, even with all of the advantages that I know that I have had in my life. I, it's been very difficult to kind of crack this nut and to understand all the layers of uh, of deception that exist in our reality. And so, if I feel like if it's difficult for me, how how are people really going to? I've got family, I've got relatives, I've got all kinds of friends, and I see what their lives are like. It's very difficult. They're they're never going to get it. Right. Uh, so to understand where we are at w- vis-a-vis this other uh, awesome, uh, technologically speaking, awesome civilization that probably operating at high levels of intelligence, maybe orders of magnitude beyond this, I, I don't know how easy it's going to be for us to understand or to get to the truth. But let me just say this. I don't want to be despairing totally. <laughs> we have, we human beings do have the ability to reason things out. We do have the ability to do investigation. We do have the ability to think for ourselves and to figure a lot of things out and to make inferences. That's what you've been doing. That's what I've been doing. And it, and it is absolutely possible to make progress there. Um, I feel that 
those of us who who work at it do make progress in understanding. There's, uh, in terms of alien agendas, I wrote a book by that title a couple of years ago, trying to figure out like what are the various agendas of the different groups that we might call alien. Uh, some I think are uh, not harmful to us. I think some are actually, I think there's evidence, there's reason to think that there are benign groups out there. Um, but I also think that there are reasons to consider the fact that there's a a group or maybe multiple groups that I don't know if they're hostiles per se, but they've got their own they got their own agenda, their own That's true. which made their own interests, which may not align with ours. Mm -hmm. Totally possible. Um, why are they seeing? You talked about abductions. It's a good question, uh, but just in terms of activity, I mean, one of the things that blows my mind is looking at the scale of outstanding ufo sightings that take place around the world mm -hmm. every week every all week oh, well all i've heard as much as uh, one is reported what is it every eight minutes yeah that could be because uh you go to the like you've got mufon you got the national ufo reporting center mm -hmm. uh combined yeah. they're they're well over ten thousand reports every year absolutely yeah, yeah. and that's just just as the, those groups within north america predominantly absolutely that's true yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, Richard, but I've been on a little show called The Proof is Out there on the History Channel. We're now in season four. Well done. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're killing it, I guess. Fantastic. But we're talking about, you know what, the, the whole range and spectrum of UFO sightings, where they're coming from, putting, putting it in lots of different kinds of contexts. It, it just, and it never mm -hmm. gets old and yeah. it's getting more bizarre uh, mm -hmm. as the seasons go by. So uh, with that said, you know, I want to end uh, our conversation here. Of course, guys, we're going next door. You know where we're going. We're going over to Patreon for a few more minutes to to round out this conversation. But I want to commend you, Mr. Dolan, not only for all the great work you're doing, but in this last conversation with, not last conversation, but the last one I saw with GPT-4 and your mm -hmm. interface with it. As you rounded out that conversation, you said to your audience something so profound, and that is, look, regardless of where this may go and where they may want to take us, we always have agency over, and I'm paraphrasing, our, our spiritual self. Mm -hmm. Find a place of inner sanctitude and calm and let that be your guiding force, regardless of what's, you know, th this doesn't have to be like a, a riptide taking you out. Although you, the best thing to do is go with it, but stay in the center, the eye of the storm, so to speak. Again, paraphrasing, but Thanks such an important that. thing to say. I, f I forgot that I said that, but that's very, very core to where I'm at these days in my own life. And yeah. uh, I will say, you know, you spend uh, years uh, studying the, uh, the difficulties of our world and the seemingly intractable problems. Um, conversely, just... I, it's a really crazy thing to say, but I have found my own spirituality over the last, I'll say five years or so that has become very important in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know what I would do without it. So yes, understanding that uh, for me, part of it is belief, part of it's faith, um, call it what you will, but uh, a concept that we do have a spiritual uh, world, a spiritual life, a soul that's important and that, um, that we should respect and guard and uh, care for. That, that's, to me, very, very important. I wouldn't maybe do anything without most. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for that. Maybe of utmost importance. No, not maybe. Definitely of utmost importance right now. Yeah. 
Some believe we are in a spiritual battle, however you want to deem it. It's a, it's a very, it's, it's a powerful time. I've, I've used quite a few different adjectives, but we'll, let's just call it powerful. Yeah paradigm shifting at all. Listen, before we hang up, not hang up, you and I are going to hang up. We're going next door before we sign off here. I just want to give a shout out to the folks at Disclosure Fest. They are about to put on the conference of a lifetime that both Richard and I will be speaking at called Stairway to the Stars in Las Vegas. It'll be November 10th, 11th, and 12th. Lots going on there. Richard, you're going to be delivering a keynote, as will I. What is yours going to be about? I'm calling it, I think the title is UAP in the Age of Revolution. And I'm putting the final touches on it, so I don't want to say too much. But basically, look, we're in a a world that is going uh, turn inside out, upside down in every way possible. We've discussed some of those issues just here. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, getting a sense of... Honestly, some of these themes that you wanted to talk about, ET, where where the uh, alien intelligence might be with all of this, uh, these are issues that I want to be addressing as well. Uh, my wife, Tracy, is going to be there as well. She's one of the speakers. Uh, she's got something really great to discuss. And in fact, there's a lot of other, um, it's a huge lineup. Of, it uh, is a huge lineup. We'll be amongst Hotel. friends. Yes, yeah. it'll be great. Looking big pyramid in Vegas. Big pyramid in Vegas. So I think you can still sign up now. Obviously, we're only a few days out by the time this airs. So if you're in the area, particularly, that may seem more uh, uh, feasible for you. Or I believe there's going to be a um, they're going to be live streaming it. I believe so. Oh, okay. Different, yeah. I so think I quite realized that. I I didn't either until just recently. So we'll make sure to have a link for that as well. Listen, I know Richard's got a full day. I do as well. So we're going to sign off on the main channel. Don't hang up, Richard. We're going next door. It's been a few more minutes. But in the meantime, you guys keep uh, keep the spirit alive. First and foremost, that's the main thing. And uh, we'll be we will make it through. Not just make it through. We'll We'll be better than ever. I'm sure of that. God bless you all. Thank you, Richard. We will talk to you very soon. It was a pleasure, Alexa. Take care.